Hello and welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast, where uh, once again I'm Sam Worthington filling in for Sean Maloney, who's uh, gallivanting around Europe. He's actually in uh, London um, this week, the same country as our very, very special guest. But before we get to him, uh, Christy Doran's sitting alongside me in the podcast room. How are you, Christy? Very well, thank you, and a very good afternoon, a Thursday afternoon to you. So it's nice to be here down in the bunker, just the two of us. It's feeling a little bit lonely without the massive hulking presence of Sean Maloney or or Stephen Hoyles, who's not quite as mm. big, but still uh, quite intimidating man to, to sit next to sometimes. <laughs> very much so, but uh, all the way from England, we've got a special guest, uh, an old podcast favourite, Dave Dennis. Um, now playing for Exeter Chiefs over in England, the former Waratahs and, and Wallabies back rower. How are you, Dave? And, and thanks very much for your time. No, no worries, boys. Uh, really good, really good. Enjoying um, a rare sunny day over here. It's coming into spring, so I've, I've, I've got through the tough winter months. I'm yeah, back into the season here and, and looking forward to a uh, you know, huge game on Saturday against Saris and the semi-final against uh, sorry, the Premiership. So... Really exciting time of the year and um, enjoying my time over here. DD, on that, Saracens, European champions, twice crowned in a row and, and, and the defending Aviva English Premiership champions too. What a massive fixture to be a part of. Yeah, very lucky, mate. I think, um, you know, we had, uh, in my first season over in the competition, I've been really impressed by the standard and um, the intensity and the physicality of uh, of the league, and obviously every every club really uh, pushes you. But uh, Saracens have proven that they're you know they're the leaders in that regard. They've set the standard definitely over the last couple of years. Not not only in England but in Europe, as you mentioned. So um, yeah, huge game. We we worked hard as a club to put ourselves in position to play in the semi. Just, you know, it's obviously only top four over here, so uh, it's quite cutthroat in that regard. But we've given ourselves a chance. We're at home as well on Saturday, and. Um, you know, the reality was if, if we're going to win you know, our first ever Aviva Premiership, we're going to have to face Saracens eventually. So we've got them a week earlier than when the boys played them last year, obviously losing in the final against them. So uh, it's, it's a huge test, but you now we're really, really excited about the opportunity to take on you know, such a strong club. You tell us a little bit about the uh, history of Exeter, Dave. Um, I imagine you've obviously been learning uh, quickly as you go throughout the, the year, but... Um, uh, yeah, no, no titles as you touched upon. Um, what sort of history does the club have? Yeah, it's, it's something I've um, I've been really impressed with since coming here and learning a bit more about it. To hear the story and the journey that they've taken, um, particularly probably over the last fifteen or twenty years. You know, they're um, you know the southwest of England down Devon, Cornwall sort of county. They've always been a strong rugby rugby foothold in England, but it's never um, never had that that Premiership team. And you know, the club. Worked his way up from an old, old ground in town with a dog track around it to, you know, building a stadium out um, out at Sandy Park and um, selling out games every week, and that and that's, that's down a lot to Tony Rowe, our, our CEO, and also Rob Baxter, and and a lot of uh, a lot of guys who've been around the club for a long period of time who who worked hard to, to build up to the position they are today, and um, you know. I've, uh, there's, there's guys in the team now, Gareth Stenson, you know, Matt Jeff, Hayden, Hayden Thomas, guys who have, um, since coming up from the championship in 2010 was their first year up, and a lot of people predicted that they should go straight back down, but um, ever since coming up for the first time to the premiership in 2010, the club's slowly improved, uh, slowly built the depth 
and um, got a really strong academy. And uh, like I said, you know, last couple of years we've been in that top four, which is really, you know, it's a great achievement because it is it is a brutal league. You see very often teams come up and go straight back down, or um, you know, obviously a team like Bristol this year will go back down after only having one mm. year up. So it is a very tough league, and for Exeter to do what they've done and uh, in the position it's been, you know. It, yeah, I've been very lucky in terms of choosing to come here and um, being a small part of what's been a rich history. Brilliant. Before we uh, return to the rugby, mate, we, we do need to answer the burning questions. We, we love to talk uh, food on the podcast, and, and I know you were, before going over there, you were a bit anxious about whether the standard of Chinese would be up to uh, your local favourites here in Sydney. Um, to tell us about the exit of the town, and have you been eating okay over there? <laughs> Oh, mate, uh, I didn't think Shirley Maloney was struggling. There's not actually as many uh, late-night Chinese options that uh, we probably predicted in the, in the past. It's not as it's not as busy and bustling and multicultural as up in uh, up in London, but uh, more an Indian takeaway probably down here because you can handle that bit of naan bread. Love a curry. Chicken tikka masala. Beautiful. Yeah, so, um, no, I'm enjoying it. It's a, it's a big, you know, I think there's about 120,000, so... It's a big enough town, but um, you know, not too crazy. Uh, you know, you're not sitting in traffic all day long, or you can be five minutes and you'll be out the back of nowhere in some in some paddocks. So it's um, <laughs> it's nice in that regard. It's uh, a different way of life. But the community and the people are really good. They they get behind the club and really supportive. So um, I've also enjoyed that that part of being being here. Dave, I'm sure the transitions maybe been easier, made easier by the the fact that Lockie Turner's there, Greg Holmes, so a couple of Former Wallabies there. Um, just what, what's the bigger? What do, what do you see in the English Premiership? What are they doing well? Because there's a lot of Australians going over there. And do you think Super Rugby or Australian Rugby could learn anything from what's happening over there? Well, I think what um, you know probably five for me. You know five. Oh, you know maybe not ten, but five years ago, you probably didn't look at the Premiership as the highest to the standard, um, you know, domestic competition in the world. But you look at it now, and like I said earlier, there's only 12 teams, which makes it hugely competitive. Um, each week, you know, really tough, tough it out, and you've got to be on your game. Um, you know, and obviously, there's a, there's a lot going on at the moment in Australia around, and in Super Rugby around, uh, reducing the teams. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I've, I've been impressed with since I've been here is uh, there's a the clear pathways around kids coming through. I think you look at the history of the England 18s, the England 20s, uh, for, the, for the last five years or so, they've, they've been very competitive in their respective tournaments. Um, and then you have academy systems. So, you know, at Exeter here, we've got about 55 players in the squad. Mm. Um, and obviously that's, that comes at a financial cost, which is the club's in a position to cover. But... Fifteen odd guys who train with us every day um, when they can. Obviously, some guys have uni commitments, but majority of them in every day. You know, eighteen, nineteen-year-old kids um, playing with the, playing and training alongside the senior players, um, and they and they stay in the system. They eventually come through and represent the club. You know, at the moment, uh, you know, Luke Cowan, Dickey, uh, Hooker, Jack Noll, uh, who's just been named in the Lions, and Henry Slade, all England internationals, all came through the Exeter Chiefs Academy. Mm. Um, and I think that's I think that's the biggest difference here. They really, from a young age, they identify talent, 
support it and um, carry you all the way through until you do play at that premiership level. And I think two things, it gives a young player an opportunity and a clear pathway if he wants to pursue rugby. And two, um, it shows that a bit of loyalty and supports, supports local grown talent. And I think every club is sort of in that position. You hear a lot about the South Academy and um, a lot of other good clubs. Harlequins have a really good academy. And, um, I think that you know, it often gets raised and it's been a bit of an issue in Australia around that grassroots sort of level. Um, you know, obviously we want our super rugby teams to, to perform and, and compete and win titles. But um, for me, I've always said that I want to see kids play, more kids taking up the game of rugby you know, or wanting to do rugby as a career or as, as a weekend sport or a hobby. Um, whereas I think at the moment, when you look at numbers and, uh, you know, unfortunately the way the game's going a little bit, uh, that, that, that participation seems to have dropped off a bit. So um, in terms of steps forward, I think, you know, it's been mentioned a lot in the press, there's a number of people who come out and said that I really do believe that we need to harness and embrace that, that younger age group and those kids want to play and carry them all the way through because, um, for me, you know, I, I sort of had that when I came through. I was fortunate, um, and that gave me the to pursue rugby, but um, it feels as though that's probably lacked a little bit in the last five years. Mate, so what about the standard of the game um, compared to Super Rugby over there? We we know that it's uh, the, the speed of the game's getting quicker and quicker over in Europe and they're attempting to play more of a... Southern Hemisphere style, a lot of the, the teams. Um, yeah, how would you compare it? Yeah, look, the, phys- the physicality is the same. It's not it's not tough, obviously. It seems though there's not as much pressure for some reason, whether that's you know um, affected by the weather conditions or it might be. But and, and, and the weather is actually relevant. You know, you, you, you don't use it as an excuse, but you tend to the start of the season, September, October months, when it's okay. You, Quite open, and then once you get to that Christmas things sort of tighten up a bit with it when the weather and you play territory game, and then now we're back coming to spring to sort of open up a bit more. So you adjust a little bit in that regard, but um, yeah, the physicality there, the skill levels there, um, yeah, it's just that pace, I think. But you know, five down here, we we uh, we talk about balling, balling game times, and, and we really try and hold the ball and try and play attacking rugby stuff. I would have played back in the Waratahs in terms of using the ball and, and not, not kicking. You know, kicking probably being the second option. I think you're right, it's getting a lot closer to the Southern Hemisphere football, but uh, there is still that beneath uh, distinct atmosphere, uh, particularly around, you know, set piece, scrum and more is very important here. And, um, but yeah, I've enjoyed, the, enjoyed all the challenges. Dan, it was really interesting just hearing before, and I know that you can't stay on the phone too long because you've got to get to some physio treatment, but. You were talking before about the, the pathways in Australian rugby and so forth and that in your squad currently, 50-odd 50, 50 players each day that are training and you mentioned a, a number of them were 18s, 19s, 20s players. Clearly in Australian rugby, the, there is an under-20s comp now. And do, do you, did, At your time with the TARS, did you have many of the under-20s players training alongside the, the first squad or the, the just the Waratah squad in general? No, we, we didn't, but, you know, it's, like I said, relative, I think, um, you know, I think my last two or three years at the at the Waratahs, there was definitely a conscious effort with Tim Rapp involved and, and other coaches involved to try and get uh, the 20s program and the academy uh, back to probably how it was 
when I first came through in the you know 2005 2006. Um, so there is guys working really hard to try and get that going. But like I said, it's it's uh, it's tough in terms of you know balancing the finances and you know those guys can't be paid. Cause mm. Your money's just not there, so they've got to go off and work and they've got to go to university or whatever it might be. So um, that's understandable. But I think we just as a whole, you know, so I was going now into long haul, but as a, as a nationally, we've got to stick in it for long haul. Because, you know, I think over here, it's, it's not a it's not a matter of, I don't think it happened as you say, they picked points point to academy, threw them in and, and paid them. It, it's, it's, it's happened over a long period of time. Um, so I think, you know, steps are starting to be taken in terms of development and academy, but it's a matter of sticking with it and, and pursuing that all the way through. And, who knows, in five, ten years' time, you might have 10 or 15 academy guys that can train full-time with a full squad. Um, so that's, just, that, that's the way I sort of see it, and um, it's just really important that we keep... You know, I only really know what's happening in New South Wales, but they, as long as the boys keep working there, there will be the odd opportunity where the, the 20s can train against a full-time squad. Um, just keep embracing that whole idea of supporting those guys going through and, and, uh, and giving them opportunities. Looks like the Aussie boys have been doing pretty well over in the Premiership. Uh, y- yourself and Kirtley Beal, of course, starring for for Wasps. Have you had a chance to uh, take him take him down on the golf course um, over there, mate, and, and catch <laughs> catch up over a curry at all? Yeah, we have actually caught up a little bit, but um, he's up in Coventry, so it's a fair way up. But um, we've actually seen a bit of an end of season golf trip uh, for a couple of days straight after the season down in Portugal. So. Uh, Adam Ashley from Ben and McKibben as well. So the four of us down there for a couple of days. Of, Sensational. Uh, well, the, the, golf. But, um, yeah, no, he's going well up there. Obviously, uh, we've had a bit of a chat and uh, hopefully they're playing Leicester this weekend in another big semi. So hopefully we both get the result and, and face off in the final. be be a great way to end the season. What a dream matchup. And there's a great shot on Instagram where I think it's Kurtley who's your caddy. So would it be another would it be another case where you're the you're you're the you're the player you're the lead man and he's taking the back seat? Yeah, that's uh, I think that was uh, that was around Masters time last year and uh, he was injured so he couldn't play so he came my bags and we did a pretty good job. We had a few disagreements around a couple of holes, but he he was pretty handy. <laughs> but uh, oh mate, you know what he's like on the field? He, he tends to be the one in the driver's seat. I'll uh, I'll happily carry his bags on the field. <laughs> Mate, just stay one final one before we let you go and get your rub down or whatever you're doing with your, your physio. Um, the Lions, the Lions tour. Uh, I imagine the the hype is really starting to to build over there now that the squad's been named and it's uh, drawing close. So can you just give us a bit of an insight into how much hype that's generating over there? Oh, mate, you'd be probably uh, you'd be pleased that I'm I'm back in the Kiwis over here. Uh, <laughs> I think all the Southern Hemisphere boys uh, feels though it may be a it can be, I'm not convincing, but I think the, I think the All Blacks will, will win the series. Maybe the Lions pick up a set, but I think it may be a 2-1 series, something like that. But, yeah, it's a great vibe. There's, there's great footage online, actually, I think, of um, when Ozzy got named in the team. Jack Noel in, in our team room mm-hmm. walking around having lunch and got named live, which is a pretty special moment. So, uh, yeah, they really get behind it over here, the public. I think there's only uh, just over two weeks until they head off. So, um you hear it and uh, you know the support that the Lions get and the whole uh, idea of the Lions tour is still such a great professional rugby that they still maintain those traditions and uh, you know we've got one local boy so we'll be keeping a close eye on it but uh, yeah, the series I just feel as though the Kiwis will probably 
take it up another level. But, um, yeah, I'll be looking forward to watching Zach run around and, and a few of the other boys I've played against this year. I like the way you're thinking, mate. Well, uh, thank you very much for your, your time and all the best for the, the weekend. And just a reminder to, uh, to Aussie listeners that you can watch the game on, on Foxtel on, on BN Sports in the early hours of Sunday morning, Exeter versus Saracens and uh, Leicester versus Wasps in the other semi-finals. So get around it, get, uh, get yourself a, a curry or, or whatever you're inclined to, to get at that hour of the morning, maybe a kebab, maybe, maybe some Chinese, whatever, whatever you're into. But thanks very much for your time, Dave Dennis, and, and go well. No worries, boys. Cheers. Take it easy, yeah? Thanks, DD. See you, mate.